Hello, and welcome to another episode of Whole and Complete Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Shantae, and Whole and Complete is all about faith and wellness, loving God, living well. So I have been off this microphone for some weeks, possibly a couple of months, and I'm really surprised by that because this is the first time in my podcasting life that I have ever halted mid-season with no uh <laughs> with no notice like it literally was kind of like no call no show so I want to start with an apology because I get how podcasts are part of our like lives it's part of your commute it's part of your workout routine it's part of what you do when you're cleaning up around the house it's just kind of part of your groove and so for it to kind of disappear without any notice or warning or preempting can be a little jarring and I do apologize for that and normally when I've been gone for a while I will take you down the rabbit hole of all the things that have happened and why I was gone but I'm not even going to do you like that I'm going to jump straight into content and if you feel like sticking around at the end of the episode to find out what's going on then I welcome you to do that so we are going to launch a new series and this is the confidence series and this is one I have been looking forward to for a long time. Confidence is one of those things that really trips people up in their ascension and pursuit of becoming the best and highest versions of themselves. I'm actually going to be teaching a workshop on confidence this summer. I have a summer lineup, actually. So if you are not following me on social media, on Instagram, uh, Facebook, and what have you, then you can go to Ready to Believe. So R E. A-D-Y-T-O believe.com and you can see the summer lineup. I'm teaching a suite of courses. Uh, the first one starting with building consistency. So I've taught that workshop before about getting unstuck and getting results about building community. I'll be teaching about how to find your tribe and how to kind of come out of isolation and build a community of people that kind of surround you so that you guys can do life together and that you are not struggling with loneliness and trying to do things on your own. And the last of that series will be building confidence. And so I am excited to bring this particular series to you. So as we are wont to do, our guiding thought in scripture comes from Judges chapter six and round about the 11th to the 14th verse. And it said, the angel of the Lord came and he sat under the oak that was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abrazite. His son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, valiant warrior. Gideon said to him, Please, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened? And where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about? They said, Hasn't the Lord brought you out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and deliver Israel from the grasp of Midian. I am sending you. Bonus verse 15. He said to him, please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the youngest in my father's family. So we will stop there. We are going to be talking about today. Our episode is really going to be focusing on the three primary barriers to confidence as we are trying to build and live and thrive in our gifts confidence can be a tremendous barrier this is one of those situations where what is getting in the way is you okay so this isn't 
somebody trying to sabotage your success and, and some of the other barriers that we talk about on this podcast, this is one that you have complete and total control over. So today we are going to be talking about your upbringing. We are going to be talking about comparison and we are going to be talking about your image of yourself. So your self-worth, those are the primary things that kind of upend our pursuit or our lack of confidence when we're trying to pursue bigger and better things. So let's start with upbringing. Upbringing is a huge contributing factor to whether or not you will be able to easily and readily cultivate and generate confidence in your later years when you're trying to become the best and highest version of yourself. Because if you come from one of those families and you had caregivers or parents that were like, you can do anything you set your mind to, you know, go team, go, we're right behind you. And the wind is at your back. The sky isn't the limit. It's the view. If you came up with those types of really positive and affirming messages, then of course, you know, you have confidence because that has been your conditioning. That has been your experience. And when you encountered obstacles or hurdles, it was like, you can get back up and pick yourself up and, and dust yourself off and you can keep going that nothing is, is impossible for you. If you grew up with that kind of upbringing, then confidence is more readily accessible for you. However, for many of us, that was not the case. It's not that parents were discouraging, but sometimes parents try to shape certain expectations or they try to manage your expectations because they don't want you to experience disappointment or sometimes it's a fear of the unknown. And so sometimes they deliver these scripts that kind of help you to kind of structure your life to live at a certain level. And I remember reading this quote once about parenting and about having children. And I wish I could remember where I found it, but I did write it down. And it says that your children are not your children. They are sons and daughters of life's longing for itself. They come through you, but not from you. And though they are with you, yet they do not belong to you. You may give them your love, but not your thoughts, for they have their own thoughts. You may house their bodies, but not their souls, for their souls dwell in the house of tomorrow, which you cannot visit, not even in your dreams. You may strive to be like them, but seek not to make them like you, for life goes not backward, nor tarries with yesterday. And I remember reading this for the first time, and it really kind of shifted my entire mindset about parenting because as a parent I had all of these thoughts dreams hopes attachments to narratives about what I thought my child was going to be and and what she was going to do and where she was going to live and I had it all mapped out like in my head my child was going to be a b c and d and when I read this and through therapy and <laughs> and lots of, of prayer and just kind of cold hard truths you know it was one of those things where I realized that control is an illusion and so often uh, parents and caregivers try to control what they think their children are going to end up being and doing. And so they go with these scriptings that come from social conditioning that say you need to go to school. You need to get a job that has good benefits so you can start your family so you can send them to school to get a job that has good benefits and start their family and and on and on it goes. And so that is the safe that is the known, that is the traditional kind of conventional conditioning of what it is to kind of live 
in the world okay and and some of this is is western thought okay so some of this is very much you know united states but also in parts of europe it's like okay of course i'm going to go to school and then i'm going to go to university and then i'm going to go to job get a job like the idea is that what you are going to do in life is churn the economic engine okay like not going to work not making something of yourself is not even remotely in the picture and so your upbringing has a lot to do with how you tend to think about what your possibilities are in the world. And so not only are these kind of safe and known scripts and these kind of standard expectations, but there's also something called projection. And projection is all about depositing your experience into somebody else's life. So sometimes you've known people that have experienced certain hurts, certain traumas, certain disappointments, certain letdowns and what have you. And because of the hurt of that disappointment, because of the hurt of those unfulfilled dreams or what have you, they project or insert or try to inject the pain of that experience into somebody else's experience in order for them to manage their own expectations and disappointments. Like, you know, you don't need to aim so high. You don't need to try to keep up with the Joneses. You know, you be doing really good if you just kind of keep it at this level. I remember watching this video clip of Oprah when she was talking about when she first became a news broadcaster. And I think that they were offering her somewhere between like 30 and $33,000. And her family was like, oh, girl, you made it. You know, now if they, they offer you 40, <laughs> you really doing something, girlfriend. Like that is it. You can't expect to get no better than that. As a black woman too, shoot. You know, obviously, you know, <laughs> Oprah is a billionaire, but it was kind of that. And it's not with this malicious intent, but sometimes your lived reality or your parents lived reality of dealing with certain structural inequities that are very much present or systemic inequities, uh, whether those inequities exist because of race or those inequities exist because of gender. And some of them might be living the truth of been there, tried that didn't work out. So rather than you experience a similar fate. Let me try to manage your expectations and encourage you to kind of dial it down a little bit so that you won't be disappointed. And so we are oftentimes are conditioned to limit and manage our expectations and kind of subscribe to this notion of lack and scarcity or standardization, this standardization of who we're supposed to be in the world. And we don't tend to have those models of people who have broken the mold. And I'll use myself as an example. I am the first woman in my family, the first person in my family to earn a doctoral degree. Like that did not exist in our family. Like nobody had done that. And it's not that people hadn't gone to school. You know, people had gotten bachelor's degrees. My mom has a master's degree, but a doctoral degree, that was like a different thing. And so for my family, it was like, oh, she really pushed hard. That was like sprinkles on the cupcake. You know, we're proud of you. And the expectation, especially from, you know, my mom's camp was now that you have these degrees, you need to go out there and get you that good job with those benefits. And then that's kind of it. You know, you just kind of stay in your job and, you know, you get your raises and, and you raise your children and you build your family and your life. And it's kind of around that job, like the job and the degree that is the central pieces and the components and the driving factors of what will drive the economy of your life. The notion of me being an entrepreneur, the notion of me building a brand or a digital wellness space, the notion of Dr. Shante, the brand was completely 
foreign <laughs> to my family. And they're like, what are you doing? You doing what now? A podcast? What even is that? Like that, <laughs> that was just a, a, a totally foreign concept in terms of what I was supposed to be doing because it was so non-standard. It didn't follow the script. And so in terms of cultivating confidence, if you are struggling, one of the things that you might need to revisit is what was your conditioning? What was your upbringing? What kind of caregivers did you have? What kind of messages did you receive? What kind of scripts were you following? Whose expectations were you trying to manage or whose dreams were you trying to live out? Or like who was influencing your decision-making? All of that plays a role in your ability to develop and really thrive in, in confidence and in confident spaces. If your upbringing influence you in such a way where you don't feel or you didn't feel like you could break out of the mold lest you would disappoint people or lest you would be judged or criticized or mocked or accused of trying to do too much or what have you, then all of that plays a role in your ability to kind of confidently and boldly execute some of these dreams that you have and some of the directions that you want to take your life that are non-standard. In our guiding scripture, so this chapter of Judges talking about Gideon, some of you, even if you don't read the Bible, this is the Genesis or the kind of origin story where they get the thought of that, um, that Roman tale, the 300. Okay. Because it's about Gideon and going to battle with the Midianites. And then he started with so many thousand and then it was less thousands. And then it finally was like these 300, like that's where that comes from. In case you are like, this sounds vaguely familiar. If you read that chapter, you'll see that kind of carried out. But Gideon, when God is calling him to, to fight this battle and deliver Israel from the Midianites, his upbringing, he was like, hold up, hold up. Like, are you me? Because the 12 tribes of Israel, like there are much bigger, stronger, mightier tribes. I'm from Manasseh, like the Manasseh tribe. We're not even a whole tribe. We're a half tribe, which is a very long story that we don't have time to get into right now. But Gideon's upbringing immediately put him in the place of like, yo, we do agriculture. We don't do war. We love us. We not fighters. Okay. And some of you, it's like some of the things that you're being called to do, you're like, whoa, this is not what we do in this family. Whoa, this is not meeting the expectation. Whoa, this is breaking the norm and this is breaking the mold. And I'm not sure that this is something that I can confidently execute because I don't have any frame of reference in the, the places that I come from or the way that I was raised for this type of success in this endeavor which is a great segue into the second barrier that tends to kind of disrupt this confidence growing or this confident execution is this piece about comparison. And Gideon, in fairness of the 12 tribes, he definitely was speaking truth. He was from one of the smallest tribes and there were definitely other tribes that were stronger. They had greater numbers. They had more economy. They had better fighters. And so he kind of looked around and he's like, yeah, there are people way more qualified for this gig than I am. And this happens so often when we try to step up and step out 
into these spaces that we think are not for us or these spaces that are unfamiliar. We're like, whoa, I don't see anybody that looks like me in this space. This is not what we do. Or we see the people that are in the spaces and we're like, okay, this person has more qualifications. This person has more experience. They have more polish. They have more education. They have more money. They have more production value. And I think about this often. So in these past few months, so at the end, I'll tell you kind of like where I've been and how I, I ended up taking this long hiatus from the microphone. But in part, it has something, it actually doesn't have something. It, it I can directly draw a line to going viral on social media, which is something that I had not expected or anticipated, nor could I have even imagined the subsequent series of events that came from that. However, something that I had often thought about and that I often think about whenever I post a video on social media, because I consume social media. So I watch some of these videos, especially people that do like cooking and culinary and some of these shots, I mean, and, and these wardrobe changes and the, the production value is insane. I mean, like people are producing network quality, commercial grade videos on TikTok and on Instagram and the way that they cook their food or the way that they get ready in the morning or the way that they film a day in the life of and they have shot lists and they have special tripods and they have all of these gadgets and gizmos and then they're in the beauty space. It's like, oh, while I'm telling you this story, I am doing this flawless application of makeup, which None of this is my ministry. I, I don't have the, the tools. I don't have the, the gizmos. I don't have the gadgets. I don't have the background in production. I don't have shot lists. I don't have the makeup skills and abilities. But you know what I do have? A message. You know what I do have? Wisdom. You know what I do have? A gift to teach and speak. That's what I have. That's what I got. And so when I get on, on video and I deliver the content that I do, nobody cares about the shot list. Nobody cares about the makeup. Nobody cares about, I didn't freeze this frame and go into that frame and do this transition and that transition. Like they, they just don't, my audience does not look to me for that. They look to me for what I have to give, which is the message. And I say this to you because if you are, are lacking confidence and shrinking back because you feel like you don't have quote unquote enough, it's not about having what somebody else has. You have what you have. You have the gifts that you have and you have the ability to present them and gift them and serve them and show up with exactly what you have. This is a prime example. When scripture says your gift will make room for you, it's not just the gift that makes room for you. It is the willingness to exercise and leverage the gift that you have that makes room for you. Because what good is your gift if nobody knows that you have it? What good is the gift if you are not putting it to use? What good is, as they said, light that's hidden underneath a bushel? Or what good is it when you are dimming your light and hiding in the shadows and afraid to speak up 
up and afraid to stand up and afraid to show up. What good is the gift? It's not, not only is it not making any room for you, but it's not having the impact. It's not creating the, the type of, of ripple effect. It's not creating the transformation and manifestations and resources that people need in their lives directly from you. Okay. From what you have to give in the ways that you have to give it, it's not doing any of that because it's not being used. And so I will tell you this sometimes too often. Okay. And they have done scientific studies that we try to feel our way into doing when I feel confident, when I feel motivated, when I feel the spirit, Lord, then I will do the thing. Honey, you have to do your way into feeling because if you're waiting for the feelings to show up, you might be waiting forever. I, I will be honest with you. I don't feel like getting on the microphone every time I podcast. I don't feel like getting in front of the camera every time I do a video. I don't feel like teaching class every time I have to go onto campus and, and deliver content and teach my class and, and develop these skills and foundational components in my students. I don't always feel like it, but what I will do is my duty. <laughs> what I will do is what I know to do. Okay. What I will do is what I know to do. And what I have found is, is that in the doing, the doing is what builds the confidence because it's like, this may not have been perfect. This may not have been polished. This may not have been network grade, network quality, network caliber, or what have you. But what it was, was the execution of the gift that I have. And then the response that I get is, has just been unbelievable. It really has just been unbelievable. I think about the video that went viral. I think at this point it's like over 3 million views. And when I tell you, I said, dang, if I had known that like this was going to be circulated around like it was, I would have had a better hairstyle. I probably would have did a little bit of, you know, concealer something, but you know, and nobody cared about that. What they cared about was the message. The message is what resonated. The message is what carried through. And I started getting all of these emails and inboxes. Like I shared this with my college student. I shared this with my daughter. We watched this at our team meeting. My team in India loves you. India. Hey y'all. Hey Mumbai. Okay. We love your content. We're just such a fan. Uh, greetings from Australia. This really touched me. And I'm like, wow, wow. So it's not just the gift that makes room for you. It is your willingness to use the gift. And if you are comparing yourself to other people and shrinking back and not using your gift, it, this is what builds the confidence. It's not that I've waited for the feeling it's the doing and it is the response because something I learned a long time ago and hear me and hear me well, y'all something that I learned a long time ago is that when you are called to do something, when you are gifted to do something, do it and then divorce yourself from the outcome. That doesn't mean do it and not care. It doesn't mean do it and be uh, arrogant and erudite and haphazard like whatever, I'm just doing my thing. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when you do do it, when you do show up, when you do execute, do it and trust 
that what you have done will get into the right hands. Do it and trust that what you have done will land in front of the, the right audience. When I do a video, I have no idea where it's going to go. I have no idea if it's going to resonate or if it's not going to resonate. I have no idea, but I don't go into it thinking, let me try to tell the people what they want to hear. No, I go into it saying, let me tell you what's on my heart. Let me tell you what I have learned. Let me tell you a thing or two about a thing or two to try to help you along your way. That's what I go into it with. And I said, if this helps somebody, great. And if it doesn't, you know, then you guys will tell me that too. But consistently, when I show up to do and then do and divorce myself from the outcome, trusting that what I have done, that what I have submitted to the world, and then it comes back to me and people say, oh, I needed to hear this today. Oh, this really helped me. Man, I'm gonna share this with somebody. Then I know, then that's what builds the confidence. It's like, I may not have the best, I may not have the most, I may not have all the bells and whistles, but what I do have, I will use and I will use it to the best of my abilities. And so if you are playing the comparison game and you're like, oh, I have to wait until I get the uh, Lumix a Panasonic 600 camera, or I was watching YouTube and unless I have the Sony such and such equipment or you, cause I'm gonna tell you something, honey, I know people who have all uh, of the bells and whistles, who have all uh, of the gizmos and gadgets and are not showing up. And so for all of the gizmos, the gadgets, the bells and the whistle that they have, it is sitting there collecting dust to no effect because they are not willing to use it. And in part, you know, some of that is life. Life just happens. And sometimes things just have to take a back seat. But when life is not happening and you have the time, the space, the opportunity, the creativity, now you need the will. Okay. The will and the commitment to do and trust that what you do and when you do, it will land where it is supposed to land with whom it is supposed to land with. And last but not least, self-worth. So in our bonus verse from this passage in Judges chapter six, verse 15, Gideon says, he said to him, please, Lord, how can I deliver Israel? Look, my family is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the youngest in my father's family. So when we're talking about self-worth, Gideon instantly, immediately disqualified himself. He was like, yo, <laughs> it's like, we, we, we're not that. Like whatever you see, because when the angel called him, he was like, you valiant warrior. And Gideon was like, who you talking, who you talking about Willis? Like me? Not I, said the cat, you know, and a lot of times we tend to look at where we are and where we've been and we and where we are and where we have been tends to obscure where we have the potential to go. It took me a long time to learn that even though the past can influence the future, even though the past can have a ripple effect and produce certain things in the future. The past also is the past. And what you have been is not a permanent determination of what you can be, okay? What you have been is not a determination of what you can be. And too often we allow what we have been to make us believe that that is all we can be. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I want you to look at your life. Think about your life 
Think about who you were 10, 15 years ago and think about who you are today. Are you telling me that evolution is not possible? Are you telling me that change is not possible? Are you telling me that as you have endeavored to do some work on yourself, that you have not changed and reshaped some mindsets, that you have not changed and reshaped some environments, that maybe you have replanted yourself in new soil and surrounded yourself with different people and cultivated different influences in your life? Are you telling me that that we are static and fixed and that what we are is what we are and that's all we're going to be? No, no. That's not how this works. Okay. And that's not how this works. If, if you don't subscribe to that mindset and that thinking. And so I'm a big proponent of growth mindset. That means that we can work on things. We can fix things. We can change things. Case in point, if you have always been bad with money and you have not always done well with money and you've had a really hard time saving money, it does not mean that you will always be bad with money unless you make it mean that. Unless you make the past mean that this is the determining factors of my future, it doesn't have to mean that. So one of the things that we have to do when we are looking and examining ourselves is that we have to stop assigning value and meaning to what we can be based on who we have been because every single day at any given moment you can disrupt the pattern at any given time at any given day at any given moment you can disrupt the cycle you can break it up and so yesterday you might have been spending uh, $30 a week on Starbucks and today you can decide okay well now my latte money is going to go towards my I don't know, IRA, 401k towards my uh, micro investing account. It could go to Vanguard. Like you can just like that, make a different decision and disrupt the pattern. And so this notion of, of low self-worth, again, coming through upbringing, depending on the kind of messages that you receive from caregivers, from siblings, from classmates, because sometimes we allow things that people said to us in the third grade to show up as full grown adults. And we still think that we're operating under the label that somebody else assigned to us. So it's not about what was, you have to make a decision about what can be, what's going to be. One of the things that I've been saying all season, okay, that my mantra all year is I'm not available. I am not available for less. I'm not available for lack. I'm not available for small. I'm not available for opportunities that don't pay me what I'm worth. I'm not available for relationships that don't treat me in the way that I deserve. I am not available. And do you know, the minute I said that I was no longer available, that's when the content went viral. That's when the opportunity started coming out of the woodwork. That's when, you know, my, my following grew. I mean, like grew, grew. Y'all are showing up for a sister and I appreciate you. I appreciate you. But that's when it happened. When I decided that I was disrupting the pattern, that I was no longer available for this lack, for this scarcity, for this small, for this, oh, you know, I'm just putting along. I said, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm disrupting that. I'm letting that go. And it's not about like, oh, you think you're big and bad now? Oh, you think you somebody now? First of all, I am somebody and you are too. So this, this business, we, we, tend to be uncomfortable. I've always said that people will not allow in other people what they don't allow in themselves. So when we see people who are confident and we're not confident, there's this, this impulse to be like, oh, we need to take you down a peg. Who you think you are? Like, you better sit down, Missy. You know, you too uppity. You too on your high horse. You better take a step back. And 
that has nothing to do with you. That's somebody else's stuff. Okay. We have to learn to stop picking up somebody else's stuff. Like that's them. And what they think about us, that is really none of our business. Like that's their stuff. Those are their thoughts, Those their beliefs. That's their struggle. That's their prison. And they can stay there if they're not willing to do the work to work themselves out. But that doesn't have anything to do with who we think we are. Okay. And so I, I said, and I say all the time that there is a version of you that is thriving, that is healthy, that is is operating in all of the gifts that you have at the highest level, unfettered, undeterred, and fearless. And that version of you that exists is looking at the version of you now and is waiting for you to do the work, is waiting for you to get on board, is waiting for you to see yourself the way that you already are, okay? So future you is waiting for current you to catch up. Future you was like, oh my gosh, it, and we love it over here. Look at how nice it is. Look at the opportunities that we've, we've garnered. Look at the money that we've made. Look at the people that we've helped. Look at the work that we've done. And current you, okay, has to get on board. And so if current you is looking at past you and saying, there's no way that I could be this future version, you need to dispel yourself and disabuse yourself of that notion today. You need to stop thinking that today because at any given time, at any given moment, you can disrupt the pattern of what was and then you can start doing the work that aligns with the future version of you. Everything that I'm doing right now in the podcast, everything that I've done in social media, everything that I've done in life coaching and all of that is in alignment with a version of me in the future that already exists. The version of Dr. Shantae that's popping, the version of Dr. Shantae that, that is a global brand that's helping millions of people, that version of me already exists. And so all I'm doing on this end is in alignment with something that already is. And truth be told, if I had to use past me as a reference point, as a marker for what future me could be, if I was using that as my set point, I would never, I would never be on this microphone. I would never show up in this space because I used to be a hot Cheeto flaming mess. Like it just, oh, child, like Shantae from like birth to age 30, ew. Ooh, 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 you know, and people consistently compliment me when they're like, oh my gosh, you have such wisdom because I was such a fool. I was such a fool. Okay. And so, and, and because I decided to disrupt the pattern, because I decided to learn the lessons, because I decided to do the work, because I decided to go to therapy, because I decided to read some book and listen to some podcasts and lean into learning how to unlearn the toxic tropes and patterns and dynamics. Now future me is like, girlfriend, let's go. And I believe in that version of myself. And so I say all this to say that stop looking at past you as some indicator of what you can be. It, it doesn't have to mean anything that you don't make it mean. And so you can just quietly put those chapters to bed and say, thank you for the lessons. Thank you for what it taught me. Thank you for whatever ways that you served this narrative, but I'm done with this book. I'm done with this chapter. I'm putting it to bed. And now I'm moving on to something more and bigger and greater because more and bigger and greater is in alignment with who I really am. Okay.
So I'm going to park it there. And in the next part of the series, then we talk about like, what are the actual tangible things that you can be doing to, to cultivate and build confidence in your life, in yourself, in your work. And of course, you can always sign up for the class, readytobelieve.com, shameless plug, and sign up for those classes. There is a discount if you sign up for more than one. So it's building consistency, building community, and building confidence. I think if you sign up for one, you get a certain percentage off the other. So definitely go and check that out. Okay, why have I been off the microphone, y'all? So going viral, you know how like in your social media, you have like the link in bio and people can like click on your links and sign up for your stuff, right? So one of the links that I had was you could book an appointment with me. Like just that's how I I generate new clients. It's like, hey, you know, we can have a 15 minute appointment, talk about what your coaching needs are. And then we kind of go from there. (laughs) Y'all, when I tell you my calendar blew up, it like literally blew up. And I had clients and potential clients pouring out of the sky and it, like to the point where I had to like deactivate the link. I was like, okay, I can I, like, yo. And it basically filled up my calendar. And by the time I had kind of gotten through the barrage of appointments, then I was heading out of the country. So I have just wrapped up um, some interviews for trauma research that I was doing, studying uh, US citizens that have left the United States to seek residency in another country. In this case, that country was Portugal. And so I was in Portugal for almost a month doing research and trying to podcast in another country when you don't have like your same equipment and your same acoustics and just, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. So that was not an option, like to be back on the microphone. And then when I did get back, well, you know, when you've been gone for a month, there's like a stack of life waiting for you to do everything from stock the refrigerator because the cupboards are bare to, you know, get your kid to her driver's ed appointments. Like life, I had to get back into the ebb and flow of actual life. And so that definitely pulled me away for a few weeks. And so I am just now kind of getting back into normalization. So this was supposed to be an 18, uh, 18 episode season. And I think this is episode 13, I want to say. And so as of now, I'm still beholden to that. So there's at least five more episodes coming um, before summer recess. But yeah, that's what happened like going viral and my calendar blowing up and life was life was real for a minute i was like yo obscurity is a beautiful thing (laughs) actually like when nobody knows who you are they don't know what you do you know you can kind of go along life and and be in a rhythm and a groove because to podcast and create content consistently you have to have a groove you have to have consistency so posting a video for 90 seconds that's cake compared to producing long-form content like a podcast, like you have to have a groove and a system for that. And I was taken way out of my groove and way out of my orbit. And now I am finally falling back into it. So thank you for your patience with me. I appreciate you so much. If you have any questions, comments, takeaways, you know, you can hit me up at Dr. Shante says on Instagram. I no longer really use Twitter. I'm over at Spoutable. Spoutable is a Twitter alternative. Much, much the culture over there is a lot more positive. Okay. So sometimes Twitter can be a toxic timeline feed of things. And I just, ever since they have come under new management, I really don't play in those waters. 
And so you can found, find me at Spoutable. Spoutable doesn't have a mobile app yet, but it's coming, but it is a really nice alternative to Twitter. Um, and I'm over there at Dr. Shante. So if you have any questions, hit me up and I will see you next time.